The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn from savvy, street-smart entrepreneurs how to make the leap from running a stressful business that's always putting out fires to leading a successful company that is innovative, productive, profitable. Now, here's Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge, giving street-smart advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders and how to take their company, firm, or organization to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to create and grow great businesses that matter, those that do well and do good. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach and Speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. My motto is, if you do what you always did, you'll get what you always got. Therefore, move outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. So let's start right now to bring some magic to your leadership and business with a Marsha's Musings. It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth. How have you done this first quarter? Let's do a reality check, listeners. Here are four questions to review your leadership priorities and productivity for the past three months. You have nine months more to achieve your goals in 2016. If you need to do a course correction, now's the time. First question, what were some victories for the past quarter? Hopefully you had a few. They need not be grand slams, rather small successes that are moving you forward. Let your team savor and enjoy them. Also reflect on what enables those victories and how they can be applied to other areas of your business. Two, what were some disappointments? I'm not suggesting you obsess about them. Everyone makes mistakes. At the same time, don't ignore them and learn from them. This is an advantage in doing postmortems to find the causes, the lessons learned, and what you will do differently. Three, are there danger signals ahead? It's human nature to play by the belief, oh, it won't happen to me. Well, it can. Look around you and ask, what are some threats that can derail us? If you find some, take steps to avoid what you can and develop a contingency plan for what you can't. And finally, What are the best opportunities? Just as we may ignore threats, so can we miss some obvious or unexpected opportunities. Again, look around you and ask, who or what is out there that I need to uncover to grow my business and how can I take advantage of them? So, here's a smart moose tip. 
A reality check is a powerful tool when it leads to a change in attitude, behavior, or direction. The big question is, what do you now do to recalibrate? Is it your business or strategic plan, your processes or systems, your leadership or talent players that you need to focus on in order to move forward with your 2016 goals? Listeners, here's a resource for you. 60 Lifesavers to Build Profitable Business Relationships. You can get it by contacting me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or 972-380-9181. You're listening to Marcia Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach, making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Today's program is Health Insurance and Workplace Wellness for Small Businesses. Should small business be offering workplace wellness programs? Should they continue to offer health insurance or should they send their employees to the Affordable Care Act health insurance marketplaces? How do small businesses differ from large corporations and how they handle health insurance? You will get the answers to these questions and many others from Steve Jacob, author of Healthcare in 2002, where uncertainty, reform, bad habits, too few doctors, and skyrocketing costs are taking us, as well as so long, Marcus Welby, MD. He is currently a senior marketing and public relations consultant for Baylor Scott and White Health, uh, the largest nonprofit health system in Texas. Welcome, Steve. I'm sure you're going to have many folks listening to your insights because health care is such an important issue in business today. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, thank you very much, Marsha. I appreciate that. Well, uh, health care is very dear to my heart because it's both business-wise and personal-wise. So let's get started by um, my asking you this, this question. Should small businesses be offering workplace wellness programs? You know, in a, uh, uh, my short answer is uh, probably not. Um, there's a lot of uh, mystique that uh, surrounds workplace wellness programs uh, in that uh, a lot of companies do them with the idea that they think they're going to be able to uh, lower health care costs. But really, <laughs> these programs really don't do that. Um, in terms of uh, companies that have more than a thousand employees, um, they eighty-five uh, percent or more of those companies have some sort of, of wellness program. But once you go down to uh, maybe fifty to a hundred employees, it uh, goes down to like thirty-nine percent, and undoubtedly gets lower than that when the company uh, gets below uh, you know fifty employees. So the idea is that it's somehow, again, there's this mystique that uh, wellness programs are going to lower healthcare costs, but that's not really, um, that really doesn't bear itself out. And unfortunately, uh, employees in poor condition are the least likely to manage their health. So when you offer these wellness programs, they're the least likely to uh, sign up. In fact, uh, of this group of the people that are in poor condition, only about one out of five uses the program to manage chronic conditions, which is where you would be able to uh, save your money. 
uh, as a business. Uh, but, but these people represent the biggest health care expense. About 80% of a business's health care cost is created by uh, 10 to 20% of the employees. It's sort of the 80-20 rule. Um, but, you know, frankly, when they offer these programs, you have people who, uh, you know, when they offer tobacco cessation, very few smokers sign up for it. Uh, when they offer sort of anti-obesity programs or weight loss programs uh, and and uh, actually attach incentives to them, you know, uh, the people that join it are the ones that are very motivated and, and probably would have lost it on their own anyway, but they signed up because they're going to get a bonus for doing so. And then, uh, you know, st- statistically, they are very likely to uh, gain that back uh, after they collect their incentives. So uh, a lot of uh, employees will sort of lose and then regain the weight uh, in order to, <laughs> and they, you know, they keep losing and gaining the same pounds, and so you're really not getting anywhere as a business. Well, let so, me ask um, you this, Steve, let me ask, so sorry to interrupt, but you have sure. just, um, 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 you know, I, I guess uh, given me the, what I would think, what I was thinking would be the opposite, which is that healthcare wellness programs do help em- employers lower the cost. So if you say it doesn't, uh, and maybe you'll be getting into this later in the, in the interview, but what does? Because healthcare costs is, is huge for, for employers. So yeah. can you talk about that a bit, just a bit, or are we going to get into that a little later on? We're going to get into that a little bit later on. Uh, so, you know, there, there are ways that that uh, businesses are lowering their costs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, frankly, what most employers are doing uh, is they are trying to do either defined contribution health plans or uh, high deductible health plans. So that if you, um, it, you know, if you changed all of your employees over to high deductible plans, you would... Uh, Lower your costs as a business probably 10, 15 percent. Um, but it's not all, uh, you know, it's not all positive because what uh, research shows is that uh, people on high deductible plans ration their uh, health care. Mm-hmm. And they ration it in equal parts needed and unneeded care. So, you know, what they're doing is they're not using, uh, you know, they're not using their health benefits, which, again, is makes it sort of cheaper for the company. But the problem is they may be kind of mortgaging their health future by not uh, by not going to the doctor. So they do that, and there's other uh, companies that are doing uh, what's known as uh, defined uh, defined contribution health plans, which means they say, Here's ten thousand bucks. Go buy your uh, own health care, so that um, you know it's, if you go and you get a cheaper plan, you kind of get to keep the balance. Or if, uh, you know, if you want a more expensive plan, you know we're only going to pay for that ten thousand, and then anything else uh, comes out of your pocket. So what their uh, companies are doing are is again either high deductible or uh, these defined. Uh, uh, benefit plans, and that is really kind of the only way to kind of uh, lessen the exposure of the business toward uh, healthcare costs. The idea that wellness that somehow you're going to motivate uh, people to uh, to do things uh, makes it very very difficult. I mean, you, you have to have uh, really very substantial uh, incentives. 
uh, as in, you know, if you achieve something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you achieve, if you lose 25 pounds, you're going to get a, a significant amount of money. I mean, like at least four figures, over a thousand bucks. Same way with uh, quitting smoking. So uh, a lot of these things are well-meaning and well-intentioned. Uh, for the most part, companies do it because they think it's a good thing to do. You know, they their competitors are doing it. Uh, it creates goodwill uh, among the employees and in some respects creates sort of a, a esprit de corps and maybe even, um, you know, uh, some element of a culture of health. But, you know, unless you're measuring outcomes, and very few businesses do, they'll, you know, uh, well over 50% of even the largest companies, when you say, well, what are your returns on your um, uh, on your wellness program? They can't tell you. They don't know, right. they really right. don't know how to do that. So, uh, and again, these things that the business is doing with the, the wellness um, really uh, affects just kind of a small part of the uh, to, you know, a, a part of an employee's life. I mean, you can't control what they're doing uh, away from the business, and uh, you really can't control what they do on their personal time. So, really, it's been, right, right, Steve, uh, Steve, Steve. Been uh, right. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I think well, you have so much information, <clears throat> but I'd like to get on to that second question, okay? Sure. Which is, okay. Um, should they continue to offer health insurance? <clears throat> Excuse me. Or should they send their employees to the Affordable Care Act health insurance marketplace? And we probably have just about four minutes before the break. So, okay. Just- uh, you know, essentially, uh, at this point, um, most businesses are continuing to offer health insurance to their employees. Uh, and, you know, they, they had set up a, a small business exchange called uh, SHOPS. Mm-hmm. And I forget what that—that's an acronym for. But but there was it was designed specifically for small businesses, but that thing has really not taken off uh, very well. So at this point, uh, most businesses are probably going to be better off just simply uh, continuing to offer uh, you know health insurance if they're if they're doing it now. And those that are inclined, uh, those that are offering, are still inclined to do it, even though it, it's a little bit more expensive every year. Uh, but they do it because the competition continues to do it. And by not offering health benefits, you put yourself at a competitive disadvantage uh, compared to your competitors if they are, in fact, doing it. Um, you know, in the long term, uh, will businesses abandon uh, health insurance? It's, you're going to have to look at it by sector by sector. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, for certain small businesses that have, you know, high uh, – you know, highly educated uh, employees like, uh, you know, lawyers and financial consultants, that kind of thing, they were always going to offer that. But um, if you're in the hospitality industry uh, or, you know, the uh, restaurant business where you have a lot of young, very mobile um, employees, it's just not as important to do that. Uh, And I think if anybody's going to abandon it, it will be those kinds of businesses. All right, Steve, I have a question to ask you, because are you saying that for the hospitality and restaurant business, uh, it's mainly young and they're very mobile and it's not important? Mm -hmm. Is it not important to the people, the employees, or it's not important to the employers? Because they're two very different uh, perspectives. Well, you know, I think uh, you look at it at both ends. Uh, The employees uh, are less inclined. uh, First of all, they're not making much money. So they are less inclined, even if you offer insurance, to buy it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then for the employers, it depends on whether it's important to attract employees. 
Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is because it's not that important to the employees, it's less important important to the employers. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, so you're saying that um, most businesses will continue offering health insurance probably because it's the, to be competitive, right? Uh, and especially yeah. for certain demographic groups of, uh, of uh, employees. Anything else you'd like to add to that before we take well, our break? Yeah, uh, just simply, that I think they're going to continue to do that because they look at um, uh, benefits as compensation. And, you know, be- health benefits are tax-deductible as opposed to wages, which are not. And so I think that's another uh, incentive uh, is that it's tax-advantaged for businesses to continue to do this. Okay, well, thank you, uh, Steve. It's time for a short break. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Steve Jacob, talking about health insurance and workplace wellness for small businesses. You're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America's business channel. Stay tuned. There's a science for building a successful business. The number one requirement is that you have a management system that controls all its moving parts. Without the system, your business is disorganized. Your quality is inconsistent. Your customers complain. With this system, your business is transformed into a finely tuned machine that is innovative, productive, profitable. Sign up now for the Manage Hub Quick Start Workshop. It's completely free, and you'll get instant access to ManageHub software, training, and support. Go from stressful to successful. Visit MarciaZeidel.com. That's M-A-R-C-I-A-Z-I-D-L-E.com. Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G L E N, at InspireNexus.com. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. You're tuned in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back to The Business Edge. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, 
helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Steve Jacob, providing us with insights into health insurance and workplace wellness for small businesses. So at the end of the last segment, Steve was talking about uh, whether uh, uh, businesses should continue to offer health insurance or should they send their employees to the Affordable Care Act and what, what and why it depends on um, you know, the demographics and the employees and what the employees want and the kinds of benefits they want. So now we're going to be moving on to uh, getting uh, delving a little deeper into what is the difference in the availability and cost of coverage for workers in small firms compared to larger firms, Steve? Well, uh, size of the firm uh, is a big factor in whether they offer health insurance or not. Uh, in firms that have just three employees up to, up to maybe 200 employees, only a little over half of them offer health insurance to their employees or at least some of their employees. And, and some, of, some of them will offer it to their full-time employees, but not necessarily the part-time, uh, as opposed to the large firms where there's two, 200 employees or more, mm-hmm. uh, 98% of those firms offer uh, health insurance. So in addition to the percentage of firms that offer uh, the benefits, it's an important component is uh, the, per- the component of coverage is the percentage of workers uh, at offering firms that are actually covered. In other words, if you offer it, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to take it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so what's your sense of, is there a difference in the demographics? I mean, will older workers or take will be will be more likely to take uh, to, uh want this benefit than the younger workers cuz i I've, I've been doing some reading on the millennials and what's your thought about that what do they want well i you know i think that you're going to see that certainly older workers are going to value health insurance a lot more than uh younger workers mm-hmm. however there's also kind of a myth that they are what's called the young invincibles they think they don't need it at all mm-hmm. but uh, what you'll find is that millennials, you know, in these bigger companies, when the, when they're offering insurance, they take it uh, and they, they acquire it at fairly high levels, almost to the same levels that the older workers do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so the other thing that, and I'm fully aware of this because, as I mentioned to you in the during the break, and to the listeners who are out there, health insurance and health care it becomes very personal. It, uh, uh, it may be abstract until it hits you or hits your family. Um, and so I can talk, you know, so that is an important aspect of it. But the other thing is that um, I'm, I wish you would talk a little more about is um, if, you, if you are a small firm, um, why should you offer health insurance or what other options do you have to stay competitive? Um, because now workers are being very choosy where they work. So what does a small company do? Well, again, I think you have to look at um, health insurance is part of compensation. Mm-hmm. It's, and so what any... Um, uh, workers going to look at is what what is my compensation, and that, that's not just 
uh, what's my salary? What's my salary and benefits? So if you choose not to offer health insurance, you're going to have to compete on some other level. Okay. Uh, and what that is, you know, it depends on what your your business is. But, I mean, the next logical way to do it is I will not offer you your health insurance, but I will pay you more than my competitor might down the street who is offering health insurance. So you, you've got to compete one way or the other. Um, you know, they, you might be able to compete on qualitative level, saying, well, you know, I can give you better opportunities or you get greater experience, blah, blah, blah. But I think at the end of the day, employees are looking at what their compensation package is. Um, and so you either do it in salary or you do it in benefits. And most right now, for the most part, most businesses that do offer health insurance are, are putting their money into the benefits uh, in terms of health care because it's tax deductible. Right. Okay. Um, let's move on because um – you know, uh, you're an expert on this. So what generally have been the trends in employer-sponsored insurance uh, offers and coverage rates? Maybe you've already talked a bit about that, but, um, you know, what ha- what, are the, what have been the trends, but more importantly, what are the trends in the future? Well, the, the trends are basically that, um, you know, while employer-sponsored insurance remains the leading source of coverage for most people under 65, uh, the percentage covered by an employer plan has declined over the last 15 years. Uh, there's a similar pattern with uh, what we call firm offer rates, which is how many firms are offer, you know are offering health insurance. But also, fewer workers were offered health insurance uh, from their employer in 2014 than, say, 1999. Um, the decrease in the offer and the coverage rates has not been universal. The families with low and modest incomes have been most affected by the decline. In other words, they're more and more, less and less likely to buy insurance when it's offered, and that's because it's so expensive. Right. So um, <laughs> what does a person do? And I don't know if you can answer this, but I think some listeners may be asking, what do I do mm-hmm. if I'm in that situation? What do I do if I have a pre-existing condition? How do I get, how do I get good health care? Well, I, you know, the, if you have a pre-existing condition, um, you know, uh, because of the Affordable Care Act, you are okay. not, um, you, you're not charged more for your insurance. Okay. Um, that's now become illegal. Um, you uh, they used to uh, do what was called underwriting, which is you know what's what your uh, <laughs> disease history, and if it's if you had a pre-existing condition, they wouldn't cover it, or they'd really charge you quite a bit. So, you know your your best bet um, if you're of a certain income, um, you might actually look at. Uh, you know, consider shopping on the health insurance exchanges, even compared to what your your employers offered you, because uh, it might be cheaper for them because you get you get subsidies if you do uh, if you do the health insurance exchange, and of course you don't get your insurance subsidized if you get it through your employer. So that's you know that's one aspect of it. Okay, now you mentioned the Affordable Care Act, so. Um, mm-hmm. Um, how have employers resp- employers responded to the ACA, the Affordable Care Act? Do they like it? Do they not like it? Do they, uh, you know, because it, it, it's gotten a lot of, P, you know, a lot of uh, PR and been written up and some people love it, some people hate it. Uh, what has been your experience in working with employers? 
Uh, really, what that for the most part, uh, there hasn't been that much impact by the law in terms of whether uh, people are going to offer insurance or not. In other words, the ones that were offering before are still kind of offering it now. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, something called the uh, there's uh, something called the Cadillac tax, which is if you offer a health insurance uh, plan that is so rich that it exceeds uh, a certain dollar level. I don't have that in front of me right now. But if you do that, then you will be charged uh, 40% um, excise tax on the value above that, you know, the, the, the value of that plan. Yeah, that's been delayed, and that may end up getting uh, overturned. But uh, as because of that, there were a lot of companies that they still considered or they still offered health insurance, but they moved more and more to what I mentioned before, which is these defined uh, insurance plans. Defined benefits or mm. uh, doing a uh, you know high deductible plans. Right, right, um, and I see that uh, on a personal level too about high deductibles. I want to um, move the conversation to something that I've been f- fascinated by, and mm-hmm. it it is um, you've written two books. And uh, what the the one book is so long, Marcus Welby, M.D. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you talk a, a bit about that? Because um, you know, there's a part of me that says, "Oh no," but there's a part of me that says it's been lost for a while. So, um, uh, what, what's the book about, and what's your, you know, what do you, what is it that you want to get across with that book? Well, the point of that book is that. The, you know, they um, a generation ago. You know, back Marcus Welby. Uh, for those listeners that <laughs> don't know who that is, uh, that was a uh, a top-rated TV show in the late six, 1960s and early 1970s of a family mm-hmm. doctor who, you know, he had uh, one partner, right? And the two of them had a practice, and they only had like one employee <laughs> who was a part-time <laughs> nurse and receptionist. And now. Um, uh, you know, every doctor, because of the, uh, you know, insurance re- requirements and administrative overhead, uh, you know, imposed both by insurance and government, now each doctor ha- now pretty much supports like 13 employees. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's become untenable for uh, doctors to put out their shingle like Dr. Marcus Welby did and, you know, sort of open their own business. It's it's, re- it's virtually impossible now. So for the most part, these doctors are either uh, employed by uh, hospitals or large physician groups. And, uh, you know, this has happened in a lot of uh, economic sectors, but the fact that the the small guys, the, the one and two docs, really just can't make it anymore because of uh, a number of those kind of factors. Right. Um, is something taking, you know, um, is it that we can no longer... Uh, expect to have that personal relationship with a doctor uh, because of this, or is this opportunities for a new kind of practice? Not exactly Marcus Welby, but are some doctors saying, "I'm not. I don't want to do this. I don't want to work in a big practice. I don't want to work for a hospital." Um, are you seeing some doctors taking another uh, another road, another route to this? Oh, absolutely. I they, um, the Physicians Foundation, uh, which is a, a foundation based out of Boston, and they I I worked with them on this particular book. But they do a survey every uh, two years of physicians, and when they say uh, they ask physician what they're going to do in the next three years, about half of them say. 
I'm going to do something different than what I'm doing now. In other words, half said, I'll, you know, I'll keep practicing the way I was, I've always practiced. But the other half say, look, you know, I'm working too many hours. I'm either going to go part-time or I'm going to take a management position at a, at a health uh, organization or, um, uh, you know, I'm going to become a concierge doctor where I just treat just a small number of patients. So uh, they're all looking at alternatives because it's become so difficult to uh, practice on your own. Now, it's not impossible to have a good relationship with your doctor. I mean, you have to be picky about this, <laughs> but um, there's a certain imperative for them to be able to make the amount of money they need to make. They need to be seeing, uh, uh, you know, uh, every uh, patient every 15 minutes. So uh, that makes it, uh, makes it more difficult. But uh, some of these doctors are creating what's called patient-centered medical homes where they are, uh, there's a team of clinicians. wouldn't just be the doctor, but it would be the nurse practitioner and the physician assistant and, um, and maybe you know, like a diabetes educator. So uh, you're treated more like a, as a team or by a team. And you might have a lower-level clinician, you know, either the, either the nurse or the physician assistant see you if you have something that's kind of routine, but you'd see the doctor, it was more uh, complicated. Right, right. And, um, uh, you know, so <laughs> there's a part of me that says go with the flow, right? This is where the future holds. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's a part of me that says um it's hard letting go of the relationship that you have with you with a doctor or doctors over a number of years. Um, mm -hmm. What's your What's your thought? What's your personal thought on this? Um, how are you dealing with it? Because I think we're of the similar generation. So, wh yeah. what's your thought? <laughs> well, I mean, are you, you mean as a patient? Yes, as a patient. Now, put yeah, your patient, patient hat I mean, out. I think what the we most face as patients is that because our companies are, um, you know, they keep changing health plans every year. You know, it's, it's always sort of a little bit different. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm in a situation where I had to, I have to pay more now for the doctor I buy, I've always had because mm -hmm. we've switched health plans. I mean, right. uh, you know, health, health, uh, health insurance providers. So as a result of that, I think that's the biggest adjustment we have to make. And I, I've made it, I had to make a decision. Am I going to pay more to see the doctor I've seen for the last 10 years? Or do I switch to a, uh, a doctor that's uh, completely in network and is cheaper? And I, as a patient, I've, I've picked, uh, you know, spending the extra to keep with my doctor because it's important to me to have that relationship. And I think if you're generally healthy, you're, you want to do that because your preventive care under the because the Affordable Care Act is covered mm -hmm. uh, first dollar. So that makes it easier to stay with your doctor unless you've got a particular problem. Right, and I think um, I think that's. I was just curious from a uh, from you know putting your personal hat on versus your mm -hmm. consultant's hat on. Um, well, I think it's um, time for a short break. I'm Marcia mm -hmm. Idol, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Steve Jacob, talking about health insurance and workplace wellness for small businesses. You're listening to the Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned.
There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G.com. There's a science for building a successful business. The number one requirement is that you have a management system that controls all its moving parts. Without the system, your business is disorganized, your quality is inconsistent, your customers complain. With this system, your business is transformed into a finely tuned machine that is innovative, productive, profitable. Sign up now for the Manage Hub Quick Start Workshop. It's completely free, and you'll get instant access to Manage Hub software, training, and support. Go from stressful to successful. Visit MarshaZidal.com. That's M-A-R-C-I-A-Z-I-D-L-E.com. Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G-L-E-N, at InspireNexus.com. You're tuned in to The Business Edge with Marsha's Idol. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back to The Business Edge. I'm Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Steve Jacobs, who's been providing us with great insights into health insurance and workplace wellness for small businesses. Steve was talking about uh, so many different areas that employers need to be aware of. He uh, talked about whether he, they should send their employees to the Affordable Care Act, the differences in availability and cost of coverage for workers, and some of the trends in employer-sponsored insurance offerings and coverage rates. So at this point, um, I would like to ask Steve to sort of wrap it up with maybe three or four uh, takeaways, things that he wants the uh, you listeners to remember about the health insurance and well, well, workplace wellness. So, Steve, it's you're on. 
Okay. Um, you know, there, there are three or four takeaways that I would look at. First of all, is uh, think about it, uh, first of all, on a personal level. When I wrote uh, Healthcare in 2020, that was more about uh, healthcare costs uh, personally than anything else. And, and what I pointed out in that book was that uh, the, uh, the healthiest 50% of Americans spend 3% of healthcare dollars. In other words, how do you lower your healthcare costs? Well, it's by being healthy. So, you know, that's the number one thing. So t- if you take care of yourself, you are, that's how you're going to save personal, uh, your personal healthcare costs. Now, if you've got a small business, uh, there's no reason why you can't, um, you know, I'd suggest you don't have a wellness program. I don't think you, I don't think you need one. I think it becomes expensive, and vendors are are trying to sell you things you really don't need. But I think there's no reason why you can't talk to your employees about being healthy, staying healthy, and trying to create a uh, kind of a cult, your own little culture of health in your own small business. And you can also talk to the, those employees that are that are incurring the most health care costs. I mean, you, don't, you can't do it in a, in a discriminatory way, but but try and get them help if they're because they're no doubt struggling with their own expenses. And so as an employer, it would be great for you to, to kind of help them with that because by doing so, you're not only going to be helping them with their physical health, but their financial health too. So I think it's it's important to, uh, to keep that in mind. Um, there are new... Uh, ways of getting coverage uh, that are emerging uh, all the time. You can sometimes find physicians who are who will cut a deal with you, who will say, "Look, uh, I will treat all of your employees um, if you pay me, uh, you know, forty bucks a month for each employee, you know, something like that." So there are always deals out there that you got. You need to kind of be vigilant about and understand that that uh, that. There are people out there trying to sort of disrupt the marketplace in a good way. And if you do that, uh, you can get creative and maybe lower your costs uh, by doing that. Um, and also understand that uh, a, a good thing for uh, in healthcare is that we are moving from a, uh, a payment model for doctors uh, that emphasizes keeping people healthy as opposed to just uh, treating them when they're sick. And so the incentive kind of gets put on their uh, put on its ear, and I think it's a good uh, development for uh, employers and for patients because it, it it puts the incentives in the right place. So I think that's a, another thing to, to keep your uh, eye out for. Well, you know, um, really good good tips. But I want to come back to I think the second thing you said, which mm-hmm. is to try to to talk to your employees to be healthy, but to develop a culture of health. Yeah. And because I am a leadership uh, and business uh, coach, uh, culture, mm-hmm. the company culture is very, um, I, I look, when I walk into a, a company or into business, I start looking at various things to give me cues about their culture. So, um how do you or do you have some suggestions on how a company could create a culture of health in their organization without what you said, without spending tons of money for wellness programs and things like that? Any thoughts yeah, on that? Well, I think uh, if you were to um, 
Uh, you can do it pretty inexpensively. Number one is um, if you have uh, vending machines or some kind of uh, snack service that you make sure that all those snacks are healthy. Uh, you can do things like, um, you know, uh, using uh, buying Fitbits for as incentives or just simply buying them for employees who have an interest and say, hey, anybody who has an interest in this, I'll be more than happy to do that. Uh, you know, have, uh, you know, lead uh, – uh, you know, lead a walk at, at lunchtime. Go out uh, and do a walk if, if the weather is uh, is amenable to it. Um, offer to pay, um, you know, entry fees if if people want to do 5Ks, you know, that kind of thing. So you can uh, offer them as kind of incentives for people that want to do this um, and encourage people to, to be able to exercise. So if you're talking about health, People understand that 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 you value that, and I think people, are, your employees, are more likely to value it themselves. You can't force them to do it, but you can certainly encourage it by what you do. You know, you're you're leading by your actions, and you're also, uh, you know, without spending a lot of money, you're you're creating incentives for them to to do the right thing for their health. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said leading by your actions. Uh, yes. You have to walk the talk. Uh, so yes. it really, it really starts at the top um, uh, in order to create a health culture, uh, and that's 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 true of any kind of culture that you want to establish. You have to uh, model it. So. Um, yes. And if you're if you're running a business, people are going to automatically look up to you. And if you're in shape and healthy, they are more likely to try and model your behavior than not. There, there's a lot of research out there that, that says that uh, um, any doc, a, a doctor that's overweight or obese trying to get their patients to lose weight has little or no credibility with that right. patient. Because they look at the doctor and say, well, you know, why should I take that advice from you? Look at yourself. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, if you model health, you're going to do, you're going to do uh, probably the best thing you can do about creating a culture of health uh, within your company. Well, uh, you know, Steve, I really appreciate you coming on the program, talking about wellness and health. It is both a business issue and a personal issue. So um, how can people contact you if they would like more information and anything else you would like to say about you or what you're trying to do? Well, uh, you know, uh, as you've um, mentioned, Marsha, I've, I've written two books. One's called Healthcare in 2020. Uh, and the other one is So Long, uh, Marcus Well and BMD, and they're both books on Amazon.com. And um, if anybody wants to email me, uh, my email address is healthjournalist, that's one word, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, journalist, at Verizon.net, and I'll respond there. Um, and I'll be glad to, uh, uh, you know, I do speak in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and, you know, I, I speak fairly frequently. So uh, if anybody ever wants me to speak to one of the groups, I'm willing to do that too. Well, let me just ask you, because this is a national radio show, I bet you, would you be amenable to speaking by Skype if someone wants to contact you? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Right, uh, because that's where it's going now. Uh, sure so, uh, so anyway, I want to thank you so much, Steve. And now, uh, next week's program. So next week, to bring more magic to your leadership and business is gain radical traction in your business. Do you find there is too much to do in too little time with too few resources? 
but thousands of businesses around the world have discovered and now use the entrepreneurial operating system, the EOS, to establish a vision, gain organizational traction, and improve team health. My guest is Jeff Whittle, a certified EOS implementer, who will lead us into a deep dive in how to utilize the simple but revolutionary operating model to grow your businesses with less stress and more success. Tune in Friday, April 8th at noon Pacific and 3 p.m. Eastern. Now, here's a small moose tip for your week. Hunt elephants, not stomp ants. Every day, Go after your high payoff priorities. Minimize the time spent on stomping ants, those tasks that give you a quicker kill and a higher body count, but don't put much meat on the table. Are you an elephant hunter or an ant stomper? Here's how to find out. Let's do a productivity audit. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmoves.com coach.com that's s-m-a-r-t-m-o-v-e-s-c-o-a-c-h.com or call 972-380-9181 and now my favorite quote there are three kinds of people in this world those who make it happen those who let it happen those who asked what happened which one are you If you're highly motivated to make it happen, let me help you make it happen. As a Smart Moves coach, let me show you how. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or 972-380-9181. Thank you for listening to The Business Edge with Marcia Zidal, the Smart Moves coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. Remember, to be successful, you you must get outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach. Join us again next Friday, noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make the leap from a stressful to a successful business. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.